Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about the recent news surrounding Clippers forward Kawhi Leonard. And originally I was going to be taking this day out to talk strictly draft, but this is one of those stories that comes around every so often and it needs to be talked about because this is very, very, um, this is a very big deal, not just for the Clippers, not just for the Thunder even, the just the NBA in general. And if you guys have not heard the news already, this first came from the Athletics, Shams Sharania, but it appears that the injury that Kawhi suffered in Game 4 of the first round actually happened to be a partially torn right ACL injury. And that is major. That is a season-ending injury. Um, and when you look at guys like a Jonathan Isaac, for example, for Orlando, we didn't see him at all. He tore an ACL, I believe, in, in the bubble last year, and he's still kind of on that path to recovery. So this is a very, very big injury, and I mean, this is, this is the deal from day one. I mean, with the Thunder, we know. I mean, the Thunder control the Clippers picks for a very, very long time, but you don't want to see a, a team kind of fall the way like this. Like even in the playoffs, when we saw Kawhi originally go down and it was ruled that he would miss game five and then it turned to he'd miss the series, he'd miss the next one. We don't want to see that. You know, we wanted to see the Clipper, the Clippers kind of crumble at the seams naturally, not have this major injury plastered on somebody and you don't want to wish an injury on anybody, no matter how big, no matter how small it is. You don't want to see anybody in, get injured. So to see someone like Kawhi get injured, it sucks because, you know, like I said, you don't want to see anyone get injured. He's one of the greatest players in the league. Currently, he's 30 years old. He's in his prime. He's one of the most entertaining basketball players to watch. And we are not going to see him for a very good while and I mean that's that I wish the best uh road to recovery for him but yeah I mean from a thunder perspective this really shifts the future outlook not with the thunder itself but the horde of draft picks that the thunder have accumulated in the past couple of seasons and it really just starts with that injury because as I mentioned Kawhi with a partially torn ACL, the typical route for recovery, and this is not really etched in stone. This is kind of flexible. You see some people come sooner, some later. It really depends. But typically when you see this injury, they're not going to be having any sort of contact for the next seven to eight months. So that's already clearing you right out. And when you look at this, I mean, April of next year is what, nine months away? So he wouldn't even have any sort of contact until... February or March of last year or of next year and if it's typical schedule as it's supposed to be it's going to be post all-star break before he's even having any sorts of contact and once you dig into more details that's just to getting to contact you don't want to rush somebody into any situation you know that is going to lead to injury we saw it with Kevin Durant for example, in the playoff series, he was rushed back. He ends up suffering a major injury. I guess it would be two, two, three seasons ago. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I would imagine they'd want to play the safe route. On top of those seven to eight months, you're thinking two to three months he'd still need to be recovering. So if I were to say, and I'm not a doctor, obviously, so yeah, I mean, it varies depending on source. I'd probably say this takes a year out. I look at him a lot like I did with Jonathan Isaac last year. We haven't seen him with the magic for a whole year, and that's that. So I'm wiping Kawhi off the page for the Clippers roster next season, and that is extremely huge. That's extremely huge on how you look at the Clippers and how you look at the Thunder. And I'll mention it later, but when you look at what the Thunder have, they have the Clippers' unprotected picks in 2024, uh, 2022. 2024 and 2026 the big one is 2022 because that's literally after next season uh you're gonna get their pick and then you get pick swaps in 2023 and 2025 so that's five seasons where the thunder either outright take a pick from the clippers or they get that option and yeah it, it jump starts because you didn't expect that you know those picks to be as valuable as they are when you look at things right now and I say this because the Clippers are in a very odd financial situation to where they kind of have their hands tied right now, and with Kawhi out, that's a lot of dead money if he wants to pick up his player option, and he'd be making 36 mil next year. I don't know why he'd want to jump ship onto another team where, you know, I don't even think someone would want to pay him 30 mil just to sit there for a season, maybe. They bet on him. They want to see him, but I feel like that's a no-brainer. You just pick up that 36 mil and you look at other options after that season because that's when his contract expires. But yeah, I mean, he's not part of this scenario. I'm going to assume that he's in the mix though, so I'm going to keep him in the salary books for the Clippers. Anyways, here's the roster I constructed based off of players who are either going to be with the team or they have some sort of option and they're currently active on the roster. So their starting five would be Patrick Beverly, Terrence Mann, Paul George, Marcus Morris, and Ivaka Zubac. And then when you look at the bench, you got Rondo, Luke Kennard, Serge Ibaka, who is on a player option, and second round pick Daniel Aturu, who... As we all know, I don't think the Los Angeles Clippers want him anywhere near the basketball floor. And in the third string, you have Yogi Ferrell, non-guaranteed, really good pickup from the G League last season. But that's only 10 guys, and one of those is not booked in Serge Ibaka. And with Kawhi, like I said, I assume he will stick around. I don't know 100% about Serge. I think when you look at the options that he has, he has so many. He's at a point in his career now where, I mean, he's 31 years old. He's going to get off the books if he would like to. He could he could find any sort of room on a contender. And that's kind of what happened here. He jumped from the Raptors to the Clippers, run it with PG, run it with Kawhi. You know a team that I bet would love to have? Uh, Serge Ibaka if if the money works how about a team like the Brooklyn Nets and let's be clear here I'm not a fan of that at all I don't want to see a reality where Harden Kevin Durant and Ibaka are on the same roster and it's not in an Oklahoma City Thunder jersey but that would be sure as hell enticing and he's still a very valuable contributor regardless of 
of where he finds himself. He's very good defensively. That's never dropped off for him. And as a three-point shooter, he's still very decent. So he has value. He can plug in anywhere. And I feel like if he doesn't feel like he wants to be stuck kind of in this this room of almost mediocrity, he could walk in free agency and he could he could find it elsewhere because he'd only be making, I think, nine, 9.7 mil next season. I feel like you might take a pay cut if he were to go to another roster, but you know, that that's still a uh, a non-certainty that he's sticking around. Some players though that we know for a fact are hitting the free agency pool are these buyout contenders that the Clippers scooped up out of nowhere and they turned into very solid contributors and were pretty much the reason why they were even in the conference finals and Number one, you got to start with Reggie Jackson. And Reggie Jackson got out of Detroit, hops on to play with the Clippers, and that guy was straight up electric in the playoffs. He was the star the Clippers needed. And when you're talking in the clutch, when you're talking isolation, Reggie Jackson was the best man the Clippers really had. And he looked like a straight up all-star in some of those moments. We saw it. With the Thunder, when they played against the San Antonio Spurs, God knows how many years ago that was. He went off, dropped like a 30-piece, didn't have an opportunity at the mic stand because Westbrook and Durant didn't like him. You know, he kind of got pushed to the side, but he's shown that he can be a star, and he did it for the Clippers. He sees the moment, and from a $2 million buyout contract to now he's hitting the open market as... A pretty hot commodity at 31 he might be able to get one last major contract and right now the Clippers they're past the luxury tax I don't think they can go that far out to to pay this guy maybe the MLE I don't know exactly how how much he'd be looking for with that MLE maybe like five six mil something around that ballpark range but he could go to another roster and maybe they'd want to scoop out eight to 10 mil. That might be a high projection with him. But if someone looks at him and they think he still has a lot left to contribute, which I think clearly he does, he'll be making bank. He's not going to be making two mil. He's not going to be bouncing on minimum contracts. He secured himself a contract. It just depends on that money price and where he'd be heading off to. But I think the Clippers are an amazing scenario, a situation for him because of where they at where they're at from the guard position. But maybe the money is just a little bit too much for him and he'd want to walk. And then outside of that, you got Nicholas Batum, another buyout scoop up, and he was an amazing veteran. He could start for you, he could play at the three, he could play at the four, did a bit of everything, and he'd do it for anyone else. He's just that I think at this point of his career, he's kind of that glue guy for a playoff team. And that's not a slight at all. That's that's a really good attribute to have. And that's how people stick around in the league for 10, 11, 12 years, hell, even more. He's in that same kind of room as Jackson. I don't think you get the same appraisal when it comes to money, but he'll get multiple calls as to where he'd he'd want to fill out. Uh, on a roster and even got a guy like DeMarcus Cousins too I don't know where he falls uh, in, in kind of this this little midst of everything because he did hardly play but yeah I mean they don't have 
this insane depth that we were praising them for last season. And also, the star power is taken away because Kawhi simply is not going to be there. And I do like some of the guys. Like, I think that a player like Terrence Mann is going to impress. I think from, I guess, his sophomore season to next season, he'll make that jump. Also, they have the number 25 pick, which is a valuable asset, whether through means of trade or just flat out taking somebody. You could find kind of that plug-and-play person that's necessary. No matter what the need is, you'll find someone in this draft class, and there's a lot of potential hidden around the 20s, so maybe you could flip them, get another core veteran, I don't know if they can make that kind of godfather offer to anybody, though. I think Mann and Pick 25 are really their their best assets. I don't know if that corrals you any sort of star. So if they want to make any crazy move, and this is including um, this is including Kawhi in that salary, of course, they're going to need to do it through a method of trade, or they're going to need it to do a deal through a sign-in trade. I don't think they can just pick someone out of free agency. The biggest win they can have is maintaining what they currently have. That's Matum, and that's Reggie Jackson. You look at the other prospects later, but if they want to get the Lonzo Balls, which Shams has reported that they are interested in, you're not going to be able to do that without scooping out some assets, without doing this, doing that. They're going to need to give up an arm and a leg to get any serious star right now to pair with Kawhi, or excuse me, with Paul George. And that's why I say, and that's why I said that they kind of have their hands tied back because they don't control their picks. They don't have that many assets remaining. They acquired some, I believe, with the Luke Kennard deal, but is that really of value I don't think that's the determining factor in any sort of major deal, to be honest with you. So they just need to hope and pray they can get some sign and trade. And if it's like the Pelicans, they get Lonzo Ball, let's say. They'll be fine taking a guy like a Marcus Morris or taking a Pat Bev and, I don't know, some future pick. Like, they don't have room right now. They're not going to be able to do it, especially in the regular season. If they're going to make any sort of splash, it needs to be in free agency. And I just don't know how big of a wave they can kind of start bringing in with how everything is kind of currently laid out for them, which that's that's a major problem. And it's a major problem when you're looking at their roster as of right now and how little room they kind of have to grow with. Like, I think they have the options in free agency, like I've said, and there are some big name guys, but they they don't have that money. As I talked about, it's going to be tough. You look at some people you might be able to poach away, like a Kelly Oubre Jr. through a sign-in trade to get an extra score. This is just me running through like random hypotheticals and all that. I don't know if any of that really comes to fruition here, but Yeah, they got a lot of hoops to go through to acquire more talent with the team because of the money side. But just skill-wise, with Kawhi extracted from the equation, they're not this sort of contender. They're not expected to be a top three seed in the Western Conference. And the way I look at this roster may be a little bit weird, and people probably are going to disagree with me, and that's completely fine. When I look at this team... 
I really look at the Golden State Warriors from the past two seasons, and I'm talking the two two seasons where two years ago they got James Wiseman in the draft, and just this past year they were the most entertaining team in the NBA landscape for all of a week. Those play-in games, those were those are special to watch. Let's be honest. Them clawing back, having a ticket against, I guess the Grizzlies it would be, and then just not being able to convert. Yeah, that was um that was an interesting little stretch that they had there. But when I look at them, I think that if Paul George ends up going down, the whole entire ship just sinks. And that's where you think of the the Warriors from 2 years ago where they were a 15-win team. They were not just the worst team in the conference, they were the worst team in the NBA, and that's a very strong statement. I don't see them subtract, you know, Paul George as the worst team in the league. They probably would outplay a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, if we're just going to be brutally honest here. But they're definitely not in the play-ins, they're definitely not in the playoffs. They, they're in a tough situation, and this is without including a Jackson, because truthfully, I really love him right now. I think he's a very good good player, but a team like Pat Bev, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Morris, and Zubach, are you kidding me, man? You're not making the damn, you're not making the playoffs? I mean, Western Conference? No way. Even Eastern Conference, they're really turning up the heat, and that, you know, the whole NBA is turning up the heat. They're not going to be able to make it any, in any of those spots, so I think they turn into one of those lottery teams, depending on how many games Paul George would miss, and if it's not a season ender, if it's just constant nagging injuries with him, I do think they get those losing streaks. They get those splotted in there. They're not going to be in those playoff conversations. And I think even at full steam, it's still a very good question to think, okay, where where do they fit right now? And that's why I think the current day Warriors, where they didn't have... Clay Thompson running out there. They had Draymond. They had Steph. Those are two good players. But surrounding them, there wasn't a lot. And I'll say this. I think the depth with the Clippers, I think regardless of who comes back, they'll probably fill it in nicely with some veterans. That's much better than what the Warriors had to offer these last two years. So I give them the nod automatically in that department. But the star power is a little bit less because you don't have Draymond. You don't have Steph Curry. You can make that argument. You even got Andrew Wiggins and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I think that it's more of you got that one star, and the surrounding pieces are solid, but is that one star going to overpower and take over every single game? And I guess even, hell, let's think the 2017 Thunder. 16-17 Thunder, you have Russell Westbrook, through the trenches, having to deal with the Kyle Singlers, the some, I don't even know, I almost forgot what his name was, Samaj Christian, yeah, that's a, that's a real, real throwback there, but like all those guys, like he would have to go out, get triple doubles every single night, and that still didn't secure a victory, like that's what Paul George needs to do, he needs to be that major 25 30 point scorer which he he is but you need to find that sidekick and I don't know currently if they have one 
and that means they're not going to be they're not going to be winning as many games simply put and when you look at the roster with pg it's like okay you got bev you got man you got canard i think both of them are going to improve you have george morris and zubach that's kind of a front court you need to bolster up a bit we can agree on that right but that looks decent on paper but let's look at the other teams in the western conference on a sheet of paper and i don't know if you'd want to rank the los angeles clippers even in the top eight of those teams currently and i think phoenix we don't know what's going on with chris paul they're in the nba finals if he walks there better be a really freaking good reason i feel like he'd need to resign so i got the phoenix suns locked as above the clippers next year i think the jazz we don't know what's going on with this go bear mitchell kind of relationship but regardless they're going to be above them in the standings the los angeles lakers you got ad back you got lebron back put them above them it's too easy there and you got the pelicans even this was a team that kind of didn't impressed they didn't meet their standards last year i don't think that happens again you got zion williamson you got brandon ingram what's up with lonzo ball we don't know eric bledsoe and steven adams they're kind of in those trade discussions even in thunder wave lines with you know them having picked 10 i still think whatever they get back they got zion they got brandon they'll figure it out they're going to be above the los angeles clippers you have the trailblazers they still have a little bit of discussions between McCollum, between Lillard. There's those Simmons rumors, whatever. I still think they're set. Mavericks, they have Luka. That's enough said automatically, right? But yeah, I mean, they have Luka. They have Kristaps. Don't know about the future, but they're good. They're above them. And then even the Golden State Warriors. And this is Clay. Coming back, we don't know what version of Klay Thompson we're going to see. I'd assume he's still valuable. Steph Curry, Steph Curry, man. And he will be great. Draymond Green, still very good. You have Andrew Wiggins. Oubre's off the books. I feel like it'd be pretty weird to bring him back, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but they also have James Wiseman. They have the 7th pick, and they have the 14th pick in the draft that little trifecta might be one of the best packages you could find in the upcoming draft class and if you throw all three of those guys on the line and you have the toronto raptors on the other end and they're looking to go full rebuild mode you say give me pascal siakam they don't have plans for lowry they're they're taking calls on fred van vliet they'll say sure and what do you have now you have you have steph you have clay you have draymond you have Wiggins, and you have Pascal Siakam. Really, man? You're going to take that deal. They're good. And that's a hypothetical. But I think regardless, they have the the ability to make a deal. And even if you take 7 and 14 straight up, you still have two formidable pieces probably off the bench, but they have potential regardless. They're lottery picks. So I think they're better. And that's already seven names. The way it's currently built right now, one through six are safe. Seven, they got to be in the plans for a little bit. They got to win one game at least. So now you're going to the pecking order of eight through 10, and this is a straight up dog fight. The Memphis Grizzlies, 
They have been on the freaking rise. They have enough. Jaron Jaron Jackson hasn't been playing. He's very good. So maybe they even sneak in to like a seven or above. But you need to consider them. Are they better than a Kawhi-less Clippers team? I think until we see what they have after the offseason, probably so. I think that's a very good matchup. And when you look at another team, for example, I... I wrote down the the Timberwolves, and this could be one where you just look at me, you laugh, and you move on. I mean, seriously, they have been just itching for some sort of breakthrough. I feel like it's coming every single year. It feels like it's coming, okay? But they have DeAndre Russell. He will be good. Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards has just come off of one of the best rookie campaigns you know Lamelo got the hardware from it but you know he was the second guy in line and he was extremely talented regardless and you still have other people that can kind of surround um surround them and I've even heard chatter of maybe them wanting to get into trade discussions and um and and whatnot they also have Jalen McDaniels too their last year's pick they got Jarrett Culver so they have they have the roster it's just a matter of if they're going to click. I don't know if they beat that Clippers team, but they're still sort of in that hunt. So when I look at the current construction of the Western Conference, I think the Clippers are better than the Thunder. I think they're better than the Rockets. I think they're better than the San Antonio Spurs. They're always kind of a surprise though. And then also the Sacramento Kings too, who they weren't full, they were fully healthy last year. So sure, let's be generous. Let's say I think they could probably be anywhere from 6 through like 9 or 10 if they're fully healthy. You got to look at the Eastern Conference, but that's going to project to being like a mid first round pick. That's what the Boston Celtics had this last season. And that's a very good looking draft choice for the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. When we got Poku at 18 from the Timberwolves, you had to cough up 25, 28, and Ricky Rubio. So there's clearly a big gap in value between one of these playoff contenders picks or a middle of the pack first round pick. And I think that's where the Clippers kind of is, that's where they're kind of going to be centralized towards. And this is injury or no injury. I still think that's kind of where you look at them and they might have moves left. Kawhi might pull the shocker. I don't think it it just logically would be probably the dumbest idea of all time to do so. But yeah, I mean, they're clearly not going to be one of the premier teams. And I love Paul George. I think Paul George is going to be an amazing leader. And truthfully, that's why I said six. I think he could still lock up one of those six seeds. But the talent in the Western Conference is insane. Like you can't have just a one man Trojan horse almost. You can't have that like freaking battering ram where you just need to rely on one person and you're going to be good to go with these games. That's not how it works. And I think there's decent support pieces around the Clippers, but I'm not looking at them right now. And I'm not looking at a guy and, and saying that's the second option clearly next season. No one's there. Maybe Reggie Jackson if he returns, but the money might just be too appealing for a guy like him. So if they want to move, if they want to improve, they got to trade. One of those trade partners, potentially, hell, this would be a fun one. 
Maybe they want to talk to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You got Kemba Walker. That's an ugly contract. And on the return of it, to make money work, man, you would be tossing out. Um, you'd be tossing out, like I said, with the Morrises, with the Patrick Beverleys. That would be a hard one to swallow. They got Luke Kennard too, which I guess might make sense because he is only 25. They might like Terrence Mann, yada, yada. That's just that crazy one you throw in. If they need a second star, if they're desperate, Kemba Walker is always available for trade. Like we clearly do not have him fitting on this team past the next like six months. Like you, you want to move him as soon as possible, but they might be in that mode and it might kick in uh, eventually. But yeah, that pick, I think that that's kind of that mid first and with the the injury concerns maybe you look at the the recency with the warriors that could be a lot more valuable than it may feel feel right now and that's uh that's why this is so big for the thunder because their their idea when they got the clippers picks when they got 2022 2024 2026 they got two pick swaps and they got the miami's uh picks were okay the ones in 2022 2023 and 2024 those are not going to be valuable those are the late 20s and you're going to get the two picks but chances are in 2023 you're not going to be using that swap so there's two picks late first those are decent value um but if you were praying on the downfall of the Clippers that early, you'd be nothing but a lunatic that's what it was you have Paul George you have Kawhi Leonard on the same roster it's not going to happen. Now you get one of those injuries in the door and 2022, that mid first round pick isn't that far away from being a, a genuine thought. And there's a long way to go in the off season. I'm probably speaking too soon on what the future could be, but I mean, that that's a team's pick you're looking at. And then you look at 2023. That's when Kawhi is gone. If he's gone for the entirety of this season and they just crumble, everything could go to shreds, say goodbye to him, Paul George is left stranded, he's going to walk away later, the dynasty's gone for them. And I, I feel like that situation might be something we just want to dream of. Like that's That might be a dream scenario. They push their way to Los Angeles just brutally, both of them, and they just want to leave that early. I don't think it'd be like that. They probably want to work towards uh, like a contract reconstruction or just make things work out in Los Angeles. But there's still the potential for things to break. And we're seeing some seams snapping currently with Kawhi's injury. It hurts for them, hurts as an NBA fan. But yeah, I mean, their pick is valuable now. Not just this one, the next one, the one after that. And obviously the one in 2025, the swap, and the unprotected in 2026. That's so far away, and with no picks in sight, and with two guys they're clinging on to for dear life, one of them's gone, it's not pretty. If both of them are gone, Luke Kennard's going to be playing a full 48 minutes a game, and as a Thunder fan, you want to see Luke Kennard playing 48 minutes a game. Trust me when I say that but yeah that pick um for next year it's kind of this more of a mysterious it's like a mysterious pick like if I were to 
think of that one and then think of the one we have with the Phoenix Suns next year. I might even value the Clippers pick just a little bit above the Suns one because I, I don't think that Chris Paul would walk away um, based on what we've currently seen with that team right now. But yeah, that's a valuable selection. When you look at how the Kemba Walker deal was orchestrated, it was orchestrated because the Celtics happened to have that number 16 pick. Did the Thunder need to get rid of Al Horford? They absolutely needed to. He's 35 years old. That contract is disgusting for his current age. But you know what? Kemba Walker's might be even uglier. And just to make it somewhat equal, the Boston Celtics needed to give up a valuable piece at 16. We give up Moses Brown. I love the guy. But 16 is what made that happen. If you want to make deals work out, look no further than some draft picks. Draft picks, it's not like you got Ted Steffian or whatever, those those dumb GMs from 30 years ago. You're not going to be giving away scrubs for first round picks anymore. This isn't 2K. This isn't the 80s. This is an era where you're going to have to give up very valuable bench players to even think of pick number 30 in a draft class or you're going to have to think of very good starters to to even think of like a late lottery or teens pick so to have that ammunition is a very big deal and when you go into the the war room or whatever you're trying to make some sort of trades this somewhat useless first round pick and i'm saying that that's kind of stupid wording but this wasn't a valuable first round pick this was like a an early second almost you're you're thinking like 25 through 30 with this thing the growth is there the potential is there and sam presti is going to be able to cite the golden state warriors when he's talking because if paul george is done everyone's done you're looking at some ping pong balls going into that draft selection if you're trying to move up in this draft class with the Cavs, whoever you talk about this and you could probably make that pitch to say you know what this is probably more intriguing than the phoenix pick or whatever a protected pick of some sorts would be because you can somewhat hit gold here and that's the deal it's this high risk piece if you're even going to trade it now i don't think paul george is going to get hurt i don't know uh what their record is going to be but i'd like to imagine they're probably not going to be in that top five it's it's a scenario but probably not anyways though that pick those gms perspective ones maybe scratching their heads thinking you know what maybe this could be valuable and they might think they're a very smart gm they want to get a deal done, they sneak that package in, you tie a knot on it, they walk away with whatever package, and the Thunder walk away with their guy. The whole purpose of getting these Clippers picks was not just to fleece the the Clippers anymore, because we got SGA, right? But we got those picks in order to move them. All 18 of our first round picks until 2027, they're all meant to be traded, for the right price, of course. They're all meant to be traded. Same goes with the 18 second round picks that we have. We're trying to move them. This is a pick that went from literally just being the most black and white pick ever to now there's so much gray area. You might be able to talk the Cavs or whoever into making that deal. You get the Evan Mobley. You get the Jalen Green. Or hell, you turn this whole thing upside down 
And Presti could just want to hold, he might just want to hold on to this thing and ride it out with this draft pick. And that's also very good. You can't go wrong either way. You just need to look at it from the kind of short term or immediate future. I guess that's what you want to put it at. The immediate future, this pick has increased in value probably tenfold in a matter of 24 hours. And I might be overhyping it, whatever. I think there's much more value to having that 16 as opposed to pick 26 in a draft. And obviously these other GMs, they also know how important every single slot is when you go and see Mark Tatum or Adam Silver even at that podium. So it changes everything, changes next year, potentially after that, but it's very, very murky. And I said it earlier, I'm going to reiterate it again. I'll probably have to come back to this. I think that the Clippers, as it stands now, just like all other teams in the NBA, they have a lot of discussions. And this offseason hasn't even started yet. We have a finals game occurring tonight. So we're not even in the discussions of saying this is where this team will be ranked and whatnot. The Clippers could make those blockbuster moves that turn this into, you know what, maybe I'm an idiot, this is a late first round pick, but I I think it was worth the discussion today, obviously if things change, I'll talk about it, and obviously I'm going to be talking about the Los Angeles Clippers for like the next five years, because that's just that's just how it looks to be, um, as, as we're looking at them right now, and the news came in a little bit sooner than, than what we would have imagined. Obviously, you got to wish for the best recovery for Kawhi Leonard. Don't think he's going to be back, though, for next season. So, changes the future for the Thunder, changes the future for the Clippers, and, yeah, changes the future if we want to do anything in the draft. And that draft is going to be huge, going to be happening, I guess, in two weeks now, which is very crazy to envision that. But it's going to happen, got the Summer League after, and you got that regular season kind of nearing little bit off right now got like three more months i guess but it's there two three months something like that but yeah other than that though guys that is gonna wrap up today's episode i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya